You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Starring Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Jason Lewis. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. So sit back and enjoy some Masonic conversation without pretension. And now, here's your hosts, Pete, Larry, and Jason. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Here We're here for another episode of the Masonic Light Podcast. I'm Pete Ruggieri. I'm here with Jason Lewis. How you doing? Larry Maris. Hello there. And our special guest today is your personal painter, R. Scott Hoover. Say hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. There we go. So um, welcome back, everybody. It's been, what, two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah, about that. Okay. So I guess well, what we do here, Scott, first we generally talk about anything that we've done Masonically since our last, uh, our last show, which typically isn't a lot now because it's the summer. Um, and then we go into harassing you via interview. Then we talk about random other things in the news. And then we just listen to Larry ramble about whatever Larry rambles about. <laughs> Which you listen, you listen to the show, so I know you know about it. Yes. Yeah. So, but, I mean, we let him go last because most of the listeners have already <laughs> bailed by then. He can't really do too much damage. That's not what our listeners say. They love it. So, uh, Larry, what, what happened with you in the past couple weeks? past Anything? couple weeks have been uh, somewhat busy. Uh, we had uh, our Goose and Gridiron, which I always seem to report on. And uh, very successful. We had a lot of people there on Thursday. And uh, You sound like uh, Donald Trump. You don't give that definitive answer. A lot of people. Many, lot many of, people say these are the best people, breakfasts. Of, actually, they are. And what was really nice is we had a visit from our former past master, B.J. Huss, who came in, who incidentally was in a pretty almost horrific uh, motorcycle accident. He's been in the hospital for several, oh, I'd have to say almost two months going through some very extensive physical therapy, but he was able to make it and loved every minute of him. We were glad to have him. He's a good man. Did we hear word if the doctor cleared him to drive yet? Um, don't know. Don't I, know. I didn't hear. Yeah, I know B, BJ has, um, I know I'm not going to get the, the diagnosis right, but he's had some serious medical condition his whole life with bones deteriorating. I think his nickname in the widow's sons is glass man or something like that. Cause <laughs> you know, he's very brittle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the accident probably had a lot harder impact on him, no pun intended, than someone else. He said the only reason he's alive is because he had a, a motorcycle helmet on. Because when he actually went off the road, his bike went end over end. It was actually what hit him and caused the injury. So he said the fact he had a helmet on, this is not necessarily a safety commercial, but Bobby said himself that because he's wearing his helmet, you know, he's able to live through that. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he hit the guardrail and then go over and the bike came behind him and yeah. hit him? It is oh, a wow. fairly heavy bike, so it yeah. was bad. So, I mean, for you guys outside of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is a uh, no-helmet state. So if you choose to ride without a helmet, you're allowed to. But uh, You're called an organ donor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else, Larry? Anything else going on? Well, uh, again, related to Goose and Gridiron, uh, we, uh, our pins are coming in on Monday. Yeah, they're supposed to be here on Monday, so we're going to make a web store and uh, tie it into Masonic Light or uh, maybe like a big cartel site. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sell some of them. Yeah, definitely we'll, will. We'll put them on the dark web. Put them on the dark web, yep. And I'll we really use, sell them. <laughs> use that to fund some of our uh, operations and pay off some of this gear. The other thing that happened, I should probably say it or let one of you guys say it, we had our tall cedars pig roast. That was a very good time. It was a great time. really was. Uh, in typical fashion, though, they had a, they had a really good speaker, and I liked it. Well, was, let, let's give a few more compliments first to balance out okay. what you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Give some compliments. The food was amazing. Yep. Ten yeah. bucks. Ten bucks. Free drinks. Free drinks. Um, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm not going to bitch because I could have always brought something different, but the beer was, they had Bush beer, which is really funny. Coors Light. And they had Coors Light. And Miller Light. Um, 
but they had some great. I had a Mountain Dew Code Red around eight thirty, and then I was awake till two in the morning. I dropped you off, and you were you were. I was stumbling. You, you couldn't walk straight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's bad as I get old. <laughs> From caffeine. Yeah, I used to be able to drink a bottle of bourbon and walk straight. Now I drink one Mountain Dew, and I'm all all, all crazy. So anyway, Larry, so there, just tell us about the speaker. Nice retired. He's a retired uh, retired Pennsylvania State Trooper. Has a had a lot of good stories. Very interesting. He was a good speaker. About the 40-minute mark, I think my head started to nod off. My butt cheeks were really hurting, and no one was giving him the sign to cut it down, cut it out. And you know, he had this tendency to say, uh, one more thing, one more story. And it just kept, one more story, one more story, one more story. I don't know how long. I, I was afraid to even look at my watch. But it was almost like never-ending. And that's when I came to the conclusion any guest speaker at Tall Cedars at least talks an hour. And it's usually, it's not terrible. They're usually good, but it is hard to take. Scott, you were there too, right? We were all there, right? I wasn't there for that. Oh, I had okay. another, another engagement. But I was hoping Larry would touch on, not to get away from the pig thing here too soon, because I enjoy the, uh, the swine um, and pizza. Of course, a big Scrapple fan. Um, Larry, about a month ago, we had a uh, help a lady move. Her father was a mason, and she had a chance to move to uh, out of state. And the thing I found interesting besides about eight or nine of the brothers showing up, we actually had a brother from York County, which is a little further than we generally get help from. And he found out, I think, through uh, Facebook or some way. And and, uh, we had an all-expense-paid breakfast before this, so... Uh, the man that was the hosting this uh, daughter moving party was uh, knew uh, how to talk to his audience. And we had a great breakfast and fellowship time. And then we had a, only about two hours uh, we actually worked, and we had uh, two vehicles loaded. And it actually went pretty quick because of the number of helpers we had. So. That's right. That's right. And, and it, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because, again, it is a great example of what Freemasonry and what Brotherhood's about. People helping people like that. To give you a, a little backstory, my daughter is going through a divorce, and uh, she took on a teaching job in Massachusetts. Now, she lives in Pennsylvania, of course, close to me, and it took her some time to load up her furniture, um, at least 120 boxes of things. And I thought, man, this is going to be an extremely hot day, and it was. And uh, she came, and we had it loaded up. Thanks to all the brothers that showed up. Uh, our past master uh, uh, from the Lamberton Lodge, can't think of John's last name. Brackville? Yes, John Brackville. Thanks, Pete. He showed up, and his, his idea was, I can't do a lot on Tuesdays because I'm teaching music at the high school. But he said, this is a way for me to be able to give back to the lodge and the brothers. And it was absolutely fantastic. So I was going to say the nice thing was, too, it was more than Lamberton Lodge. That's the thing I enjoy about Freemasonry. Of course, we, we all love our home lodge, but it's some of the organization I belong to I really enjoy because it transcends just simply your local Blue Lodge. It's uh, a lot of other brothers, even, like I said, from out of the county were there to help out. And he was there not just for the free breakfast, but just for the fellowship. And Absolutely. I think we told him about the goose and gridiron, the breakfast we have, and he's certainly welcome to be there. So. Absolutely. I think that may be one of the only bright points of um, social media because there's so much about social media that just is a downer and just brings out the worst in people. But, you know, prior to Facebook, you know, you really did not run into other Masons. I have now, between the national organizations I'm in, like Rado. Um, and and then the Rip podcast, I know Masons from all over the world now, and I'm good friends with guys from New York and Texas, and we get together at meetings at least once or twice a year, you know, just to just to hang out with each other, which would never have happened ten years ago pre Facebook. Yeah, I agree. Jason, you have anything going on? Well, I was with you guys for pretty much all of that. I wasn't there for moving day, but Goose and Gridiron and Tall Cedars and Tall Cedars was was fun. You know, when we got back in the car, you had said there's something about Tall Cedars that I like, but uh, but there seems to be yeah. You came up with a great term. Oh boy, what did I say? Oh, Grotto for grownups. Yes, yeah. Tall Cedars <laughs> is Grotto for grownups. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guys mean well, and it's funny because they have the same kind of conversations that that we have. Like, but. It's just a little bit tamer, 
and uh, they go to bed at a reasonable hour. Grotto reminds <laughs> me of when I was younger, and I would go to my dad's. You know, I, I grew up in my mom's house, and then uh, I'd see my dad on the weekends. But it reminds me of going to like my dad's or going to one of my dad's friends' house, and they would sit up for hours and, and BS, which I enjoyed. I mean, I really had a lot of fun. But that's what Grotto, or no, I'm sorry, that's what uh, Tall Cedars reminds me of. But I was sitting right in front of that speaker and about the 40 minute mark i kept i mean i I didn't want to be rude but i texted pete i don't remember what i said and i think oh (laughs) it may it may have been off color (laughs) the stories were i mean this you know so the story some of the stories were sad he was purposely trying to point out the fact that it's hard to be a police officer it's not all coffee and donuts and you know detailing like the first day he was on the job horrible fatality accident he came upon and yeah so but he made that point and i think he was maybe a little i used to be in law enforcement so it didn't really shock me but when i still looked around the uh the pavilion and some people were getting kind of uncomfortable with um the colorful language yeah some of the stories were were pretty intense you know that gentleman in particular I i forget his last name but his first name i think was wally i saw him do a uh, state degree. He's on the on the state police degree team, and he did a he conferred a first degree. And he did. A I think really Wally's really, his last name. Trooper is his first name. Right, Trooper <laughs> Wally. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but he conferred a really uh, good first degree uh, with the uh, the state uh, police team. Very cool. But that's all I got. Um, only thing I have that you guys didn't have, and some of you were around for this, but um, we finally made progress with our uh, our Masonic Social Club. So, you know, for you guys out of the area and out of the state, Pennsylvania is a very, very conservative state as far as Freemasonry goes. Um, I think the the fund was officially banned by the Grand Lodge in 1920, um, and you know we still operating under that. That's a, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Was, anyway, Masonry in Pennsylvania is a very serious thing. So. In our lodge building here in Lancaster, there is nowhere really for men to come together, watch a football game, hang out, just do things like that. So I started this idea of coming up with a Masonic social club where we could get a building and we could hang out. Um, and Larry, Larry's handing me $100 right now from Scott. Thank you. Um, no, this is from Scott. There. The first 100 wasn't from Scott. The second 100 is from the, Scott. The 20, 100 from Larry. The 20s are mine. So <laughs> I didn't have any big bills. So we, we, um, I went through LegalZoom. Shout out to LegalZoom. They're very efficient. And for $519, uh, we are a 501c7 in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That is a uh, social club. So we don't have a building, but we have our, our charter. We are, have our bylaws. We have our officers. And now we're going to start soliciting members. So what we're doing is if you join before June 30th, 2017, it's 100 bucks, And that will get you through for the ensuing year. Um, and then after, if people join after that, they have to pay a $100 application fee and 100 bucks. And you also become a charter member. Charter member. Right. You get to wear something fun on your hat, I guess. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to try and do is have events that we normally wouldn't do with a regular Blue Lodge. Um, Blue Lodge meetings seem to always be about eating and drinking, and then the appendant bodies seem to be about drinking and eating. Yeah, non-alcoholic drinking. Right, right. So when you get to Grotto or Shrine, the events are about drinking and then eating. Right. Um, but So we're going to do some things. I'm planning something right now. There's a local uh, distillery. So we're going to get a tour of the distillery and some sampling. Um, it might only be an hour or two. But, you know, it'd be a good time to hang out. Uh, there's another local tavern around here that has a speakeasy in the basement. Just kind of like an elusive kind of like secret knock to get in the door and just do some fun things until we get enough cash on hand to get a building. It seems to be getting some momentum, and I missed the appointing of the officers because I was out of town, nor have I paid my $100 yet. So I that, gotta... That's why you're vice president. Oh. I, and I, I, know, I think that's I the reason to... you're vice president is because you missed the meeting. No, I'm, vi- no, I'm not. I'm vice <laughs> Only He's chaplain. Yeah. We made him chaplain. For yeah, hunt. so I'm, uh, I'm going to be chaplain. So I learned well from Scott. I know the uh, silent prayer well. <laughs> and uh, Scott, Scott just, just gave 100 bucks. so everybody here is going to be in a new, new secret, not-so-secret club. No, not-so-secret. 
Oh, yeah, one more thing before we go to break. So I double booked, so here's a, a nice plug for Seth Anthony. Uh, I was supposed to be rehearsing for the uh, uh, Noble Order of the Muscovites he's got going on Noble, here Noble, yeah, yeah. And my understanding is Mus- the, the Muscovites were a, a pennant body of the Odd Fellows that were very similar to Grotto back in the day, and I think that they might have been wilder than Grotto because I think they got booted. And that degree, along with, like, the Good Samaritan degree, went dormant for years. And now Seth Anthony, I think, renewed his Oddfellow membership so he could charter a, I think it's called a Kremlin. He could charter a Kremlin here in Pennsylvania. So they're doing a fundraising degree. You can become a Muscovite and you can wear a Fez or a Bubsy. It's all kind of Russian-themed, and there's a Russian-themed dinner up in E-Town. But tonight was rehearsal. I double-booked, so sorry, Seth, but there's your plug. I think there's 35 seats left to sign up, and you can find that at... uh, Maybe we can post a link to it on the yeah. on our page. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically the money's raised is going to the Pennsylvania Youth Foundation or DMLA. I think it's going straight. Yeah, I think it's going DMLA. All right. Well, nobody has anything else to throw in right now. I was going to say the, uh, the last thing that I know of was August twentieth. Uh, there was a car show up there at uh, the Mount Joy Lodge, a Sherika and so that was a once again another hot event. And uh, food was involved and looking at cars, and it just was good to see brothers from. Uh, other lodges so and it was a fundraiser and hopefully they did well there i definitely saw a bunch of hoovers there yeah (laughs) absolutely all right well we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back and interview our guest scott hoover hey masonic late listeners thanks for tuning into the show and listening but we want to hear from you do you have a great masonic story to tell or would you like to be a guest or would you like to just call in and let us know where you're listening from or what lodge you belong to? We'd be happy to play it on an upcoming episode. In the meantime, find us at www.masoniclight.com or on Facebook at Masonic Podcasts and Twitter at Masonic Light. Please give us a call at 315-596-2766 or 315-59-MASON. Hey, welcome back. We're back here at Masonic Light Podcast with our guest, R. Scott Hoover. And this is uh, our friend Larry. Hello there. <laughs> Larry's Chime to Shine. Larry, go ahead and conduct your uh, very professional Cronkite-esque interview. No, that's Harley. Uh, Scott, we talked... Well, first off, let me say something. Our guest two weeks ago was the lovely John Hoover. Uh, fantastic guest. And I said to you the other day, I said... Uh, Something about the fact that she was great. But don't worry, if you're not as good as she was, the pressure's not on. So, you know. Anyway, one of the things that has always fascinated me about you is ever since I have been a member of this lodge, every time I come in, you greet me. You greet everybody. With a hug sometimes. Sometimes with a hug. Always with a hug. Yes, yes. And to the left. I, I noticed that because it's, it's a matter of friendship and brotherhood there. That really goes beyond the norm. And also, too, I also know you're also a member of various other bodies, uh, some of them more recent in the past. I think you've been in, well, wait a minute, how long have you been in Blue Lodge? Since I was 21, I asked my father what I had to do to be a Mason. He said, you just did it. I'll get you a petition. At that point, I said, I said, Dad, what do, you, what do you do as a Mason? I didn't know what it was. At that time, he was a police officer, so I knew everything he did was totally above board because of his character, not just because of his profession. I said, what, what do you do as a Mason? He said, we sit around and eat ice cream. So sure enough, after I got my first degree up here in the fourth floor in the Masonic Center where we're recording this, we came down to the first floor and we had ice cream. And I said, Dad, now we do more than eat ice cream. So... He hasn't lied to me, but he never gave me the full story. So you told me you were 21. What are you, about 35 now? I I made it to 62 so far. So that's been 31 years? Or, if we do the math correctly, it's closer to 41. 41 years? From 20 to 60. Oh, okay. Okay. Six and two. He's from, Larry's from Tower City. They didn't really stress math there. (laughs) If I continue on this track, I might get my 50-year pin. So it's, uh, yeah, I, know. I, know, I know some fellows have joined too late to get that, but I was able to join early enough to, to get that. Don't get me started on that. I think we should be given 40-year <laughs> pins. Uh, okay, so basically you're also a member of the uh, Lodge of Perfection, Valley of Lancaster. Correct. You're a member of the uh, Consistory, 32nd degree, out of the Valley of Harrisburg. Correct. Member of Grotto. Yes. Member of Order of the Eastern Star. Correct. 
What else am I forgetting? I uh, also belong to Tall Cedars, High 12, and one of my favorite, Degoose and Gridiron. And I, I guess we did mention Grotto. And the thing that was really neat with me being involved with the Blue Lodge, my children were exposed to and found out about, like, Dee Malay and Job's daughter. So my four sons joined Dee Malay. And as we mentioned earlier, about to get meet people from other areas. So we knew literally people from throughout the state of Pennsylvania. And then uh, with Job's daughters, the same thing was true. And then uh, both the daughters have since joined Eastern Star. And uh, the boys have all joined Lamberton Lodge. So I'm, I'm proud of that. And they, I was very careful that I want to make sure they joined because they wanted to, not because their father, you know, forced them to. Or, you know, they, sure. they're, they're there as members because they want to be there, not because of what dad's co coerced them into. Yeah. Coerced. I don't think you coerced. <laughs> I don't think knowing, knowing, knowing all of them practically, uh, I don't think you coerced them into anything. They have they are their own minds. True. Uh, one of the things that you haven't brought up, and you, because... I guess you really don't want to pat your own shoulder, but you received last year what one was of the what, most. Larry, what? Don't worry, you know, <laughs> it's symbolic. Pat yourself on the back. I think is what you meant. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. You received a year about a year ago one of the most prestigious awards in Freemasonry, the Masonic Service Award, and let me tell you, you got to be pretty sharp. Pretty good and pretty dedicated to get that because not a whole lot of people get it. Is it the the MSA? Is that Matorius Service Award? I think it's Matorius Service Award. Well, that's the guy that has it. Yeah. What is, what is it? I just call it the MSA. Right. <laughs> I think it's Meritorious Service Award. Yeah. I, I believe I that's so. correct. Yeah, you've got to be nominated for it and go through a committee and they decide whether or not uh, uh, you get it. And I know of a couple Master Masons who have been officers and so forth, hoping they'd get it for the past 10 years, and they're not getting it. So, Well, uh, on that, uh, I'll humbly say that being involved in Blue Lodge as long as I have been, I really told Sandy there is no, my wife, that there is no award for the wives of Master Masons. And, of course, with her cooking and serving and being fairly well-known throughout the First Masonic District because of her catering, I said, this is really their way of honoring her was by giving me the MSA. So I said, she really gets the mater- the uh, service award. Yeah, we, we discussed that at breakfast <laughs> a couple of times as to how you got that award. We we, we totally agree with you. <laughs> the notorious Sandy Award. <laughs> the, the Sandy Hoover Award. Okay, so let, tell me some of the other things. You come from a long line of Masons. Grandfather, I believe. My Your father. father. My father. Uh, the interesting thing was, my, of course, my father-in-law. So it's sort of interesting that, uh, you know, not – I understand back in the Civil War days, about one in four men were uh, Masons. It's not nearly that high, I believe, today. And so it's sort of unusual that two people met and got married, that both fathers were master Masons. And they both pretty much became Masons because of men they saw around them that they respected. And that my father-in-law was through uh, – been in the Army Air Corps in World War II and saw men that he respected. And after he got out of the service, he joined the uh, – uh, he's a past master from Quarryville. Uh, he's since passed on. But uh, my father, through being a policeman, saw other men around him that he really respected, and they became – and he became a Mason because of them. And then fortunately with the uh, style lifestyle he lived, other men looked up to him and became Masons because of him. So that was it's quite an honor, you know, to, to live your life the way you do in service and so forth. And so um, that's I, my Masonic lineage. I know we're probably repeating this because John covered it really well. Tell me about a number of sons who are Masons, your daughters are in Eastern Star along with your, right. with your wife. So give us a... So four, son, four sons uh, joined, all joined Lamberton Lodge, and the uh, two daughters joined... Uh, Eastern Star uh, in Quarryville, Robert Fulton Chapter, and I also joined uh, Robert Fulton Chapter, and I'm uh, currently there. Uh, they call it a Sentinel, which we would call a Tyler, and I am also the Tyler for uh, Lodge Perfection. And the nice thing about both those positions means I don't need to pay dues, so I still get to enjoy the uh, thing, and I keep the uh, the cost fairly low. And uh, while we're talking about keeping the cost low, I was doing painting for a brother, and he was a tremendous grotto. Uh, enthusiast, and he asked me to join, and I said I would join if you would pay my initiation and my first year's dues, and Pete Ruggieri was able to do that, so he didn't realize how expensive that paint job was going to be. So uh, after that, I got into Grotto and really enjoyed the fellowship, and what I like about Grotto is uh, being a non-drinker, I think it was mentioned before in the podcast, uh, you certainly can have a great time at Grotto and not be drinking, 
And uh, I enjoy seeing brothers from different lodges there. And uh, Grotto is a really just fun time and a uh, good organization. And uh, uh, once again, it has a good charity that it supports. So with the uh, different things, which a lot of the Masonic organizations, of course, uh, do. I think you've got a good point there. When you go to Grotto, if you're a non-drinker, watching the guys that are drinking, it's a show in itself. True. It really, really is. I'm, I've been more than once been the designated driver to get somebody home to Quarryville. I won't mess in, mention Chris Gibson by name because we all know and love that dear brother. <laughs> nine-time uh, worshipful master. Yes. Has, it been yes. Nine? Has it really been nine? I don't it, know. It must seem like it to him. I, I would, I <laughs> he said five. I, yeah. I was going to say at least five. Yeah. And, and, and once again, that shows service. Uh, it's a small lodge. And to keep it going and to do what he's doing, you know, he stepped up to the plate many times to do that. Yeah, we'll need it. we're going to have Chris on at some point because not only that, and he's he's currently um, is he thrice putting master? Yeah, well, he's passing he's now. Just yeah, and um, he's all besides this. I mean, he's also very big in the Boy Scouts. Yes, yeah, he goes away for you know a week at a time to mm-hmm. like Boy Scout camp and. And he's also the one that started the Masonic Invasion that we're familiar with here in the First Masonic District. So I don't want to take away. Yeah, go ahead and explain that a little bit. I'm going to steal Larry's thunder, but it's a good good well, topic to go on. And and we all enjoy it. And, and once again, it's getting outside of your home lodge. It, it's nice to go visit other lodges. Uh, what Chris has done is uh, there's a couple things he has set up as a prerequisite. It's always for a, an extra meeting, which unfortunately usually aren't as well attended. So we'll go visit uh, unbeknownst, that's a good Lancaster County word, unbeknownst to the lodge we're invading. Uh, we'll put an email out, and so we'll get anywhere from 10 to 20. In fact, uh, when we invaded uh, Lamberton Lodge, I think there was 30 or 40 there that night. And we have a meal ahead of time, so we have that fellowship time, and then we'll go to the lodge. And after the lodge opens, uh, we'll actually have a wrap at the outer door, and all these masons will come in. And we will witness this person or persons getting their degree work. And so it's a tremendous boost to we've invaded Effort Lodge. We've invaded uh, Lamberton Lodge. Uh, we've well, made different. Well, my, uh, one of my, uh, my hometown growing up is Kenneth Square. Mm-hmm. And um, I found out that you guys actually went across county lines and invaded Kenneth Lodge. Right. And that was, you know, on, they were totally surprised because not being from this district, they didn't even know what, that, what it was. And in fact, it's so dynamic, and I'm not going to be giving anything away because this won't be broadcast uh, until after uh, Monday night, hopefully. I, I can just say that um, they're going to do something a little bit different, and we can mention that, or somebody here can mention in the next podcast what they're actually doing Monday night. It's actually to visit a brother that's uh, currently in the hospital. And so we're going to meet for a meal, and we're going to go visit that brother in the hospital and just really show our support in that way. And that, once again, is what Freemason is about. We. We, we go to the meetings. We certainly enjoy the ritual. There's certainly a lot of knowledge and information there. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. That's just where Freemasonry begins. And really, that's the doormat, and we go from there. Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, I guess we'll let Larry... <laughs> Larry, it's, it's charades time. Larry's making a sign like he's breaking a stick. Um, Larry needs stick. a pretzel. I really need to go to the men's room. All right, so we're going to go get Larry a, uh, a Gatorade bottle, and we'll be right back. Brothers, are you having trouble keeping up with your honey-do list? Are you overwhelmed with your job, no free time, and then you still have to go to lodge? If you need anything painted, our Scott Hoover's the man, uh, but it's kind of mysterious, just like anything in the Masons. You, you can't really just contact him directly. You have to contact Masonic Light, and we'll pass that on. But I guess the good thing is, is, if we actually book the business, then we'll get 10%, and we can keep the lights on. So... Remember, R. Scott Hoover, your personal painter. Thank you so much. All right, welcome back, uh, Larry. I'm hoping uh, your bladder feels a little gladder. And <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, we're back with R. Scott Hoover, uh, your personal painter, professional Freemason, and our guest this week. And uh, Larry, go ahead. You have some more to ask, Mr. Scott. Yes, yeah, Scott, I do. One of the things that. Uh, I guess we've all talked about at one point or another, not not in a negative or a bad way, okay? Because your service to our lodge 
has been nothing short of exemplary. And I just want you to know everybody appreciates it. It's a, only it? negative if you're one of the officers <laughs> under him. <laughs> and then you find out that you have to jump a couple spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which the question was, why haven't you been to the East yet? When I started through the chairs, which uh, I really enjoyed starting out, um, we saw the lower chairs, uh, the sword chairs. Uh, in Pennsylvania, you'll be your percivant, your uh, junior and senior master ceremonies. I wanted to spend a whole year there because some guys were jumping ahead, but I wanted to stay there and really enjoy being junior deacon, senior deacon in these other positions because they are important. And one of my favorite uh, positions in the lodge is being a friend and guide. We often forget the friend part, but it's really interesting to bring a new candidate in. And I am answering your question, Larry. Um, so I was working my way up through. And unfortunately, at that time, I was actually working for Armstrong and working shift work. And what that would require would mean I'd be more than likely missing at least one out of three meetings. And obviously, we realize that God and family and your work come before Freemasonry. Uh, But if you're going to be an officer, you pretty much want to make sure that you've made your schedule, that you can be there for those meetings, especially as a presiding officer, as a worshipful master is. Obviously, death of your mother or something like that. We'll let you all for. But uh, so I'm going through, and I really held myself back at that point. And then after that, going through the line and making up as far as I think I've been uh, thrice uh, past senior warden now, <laughs> which, is, which, which is not really a title. I'm currently, and the nice thing was my son is, uh, Jason, is senior warden and does excellent work as uh, the men at this table can uh, tell you because they've seen his work uh, in our lodge and also he's actually on the district degree team uh, with his background and his voice and demeanor really does a good job in pressing the uh, the candidate with uh, the lessons being taught in that degree Um, and so it was really my honor when I was senior warden and we actually flip-flop stations uh, last year I was senior warden he was junior warden I got to install him as uh, senior warden that was quite an honor and so what I've been doing really ever since, I'm junior warden this year for the maybe fourth time. I don't know. We've lost count on that one. But uh, I'm just trying to throw in the chairs and allow people, you know, the lodge to keep going. And uh, it's quite a responsibility to be in that master's chair. And I just never was able to take that final step and final plunge. But uh, I certainly respect that office. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm worthy of that uh, title. That's quite a quite an well, honor. Well, just, just to let our listeners know. I've never gone that route either. I served as a chaplain once in South Carolina. That was the end of it. Uh, well, Larry, you, you can't remember where your car keys are, let alone a degree. <laughs> that is, in fact, the truth. But Scott knows the degrees. He's prompted me before. <laughs> he does. He's one of the guys on the sideline that knows every single word. He, not only does he know every single word, he knows every single position in the lodge. <laughs> Scott can sit in any one of those chairs and do a masterful job. Well, hopefully that's a, a benefit to the master when we show up on a night. Oh, yeah, it is. And they're looking for a job. And I, and all the all the different chairs. Now, certainly the the master gets the, the, the grand salute, but all those positions are important, and they all have a lesson to, to teach and so forth. And uh, What's your favorite chair to sit in? I, like I said, I think it really, I think it really friend and guide. And because when you're in there and you have that candidate really at a disadvantage when he doesn't know what's going on, and if we hoodwink or blindfold him, and I say everything we do is based upon the Bible. There's nothing we're going to do here to humiliate you. You're not joining a college fraternity. You're joining a men's fraternity. And I said, if we were doing something stupid, I wouldn't be here on a Thursday night. There's other things I could be doing. And I said, I'll be your friend and guide. I'll be with you the entire time. And really just try to put them at ease and let them go through with that. But I, I certainly enjoy the other chairs. But I really think if I had to do one job, I'd be friend and guide. Yeah, I think my favorite one is uh, Junior Warden. Just because you're you're kind of like the first person of authority that candidate gets to deal with, mm-hmm. and you come in and you're the first person to put some questions to him, and you're the one that kind of, you know, when he he agree when I when the junior warden thinks you're okay enough to come in, then you're allowed to come in for the rest of the degree. And I, uh, the other thing I enjoy being is the unofficial chaplain at our Goose and Gridiron, and I thought of that when uh, Jason. Uh, is going to be the chaplain for this other body, which I'm a charter member of now, since Pete actually has the U.S. currency in his hands. Don't give me the I'm leaving here to go to a bar, so I might have to give his money back to Larry. Well, we, we do have witnesses that I did, in fact, join. 
but the nice thing is the only thing we really do at Goose and Gridiron, the, our uh, Thursday morning breakfast, is uh, we get together and we just have the time of fellowship. But I stand up. And when I do stand up, most of the men do get quiet because they realize it's one of the few times we're serious and solemn. And, uh, and I say we are men of faith. Uh, that we, that's part of our oath and obligation. And I, we just pause and I lead us in silent prayer. And uh, when I'm not there, I'm so pleased that Jason has decided uh, to continue that same tradition. So, Well, that's my favorite prayer to, to <laughs> say. It's very easy. Yeah, I, so, I, a silent one. I, I mentioned that, maybe I mentioned that last week. I was at the uh, AMD, Alley Masonic Degrees. And sitting to my left is our former guest, Reverend Dr. Christopher Rocky, who has a dual doctorate degree. Uh, his doctorate in theology and I don't know what his other doctorate is, education maybe. But... Um, Somehow or other, the way our order goes, I'm chaplain for AMD, and I was my turn to give the prayer, and I did Scott's favorite <laughs> prayer, the moment of silence. And when people are looking at me with like this look of disapproval, I said, "Come on, the guy beside me's got a double doctorate in theology. <laughs> like, I, I know I'm not going to do that. Great, I'm, I'm embarrassed. So this is just. So then they laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, I got a question for you. I know you know we mentioned this uh, last week with your daughter, but you know you and your wife cook and, and, and steward and a lot of the cater the dinners for everybody here. And one of the things that happens a lot here is whether it be 476 or my lodge, lodge 43, uh, a lot of our candidates or entered apprentice or fellow craft masons come in and help serve dinners with you. And, and that's, that's really helpful. And what the, and they even effort lodge who we uh, cater, they do that up there also, uh, the new, and we get to know the, the new members. But the important thing is, besides having extra help doing dishes, which I, I really enjoy is my, my bottom motive, but uh, they get to, to have fellowship and time with, and we, they help prepare ahead of time. But we do try to make sure they can sit down and eat with their, their brothers, uh, even before they're actually members of that lodge. And then, of course, we go upstairs. Uh, the, the members of that lodge will go upstairs for their meeting, and they stay down here. We still have a time of fellowship there. And I have a chance to unofficially mentor, and uh, they really get to see that Freemasonry is about serving. And you know, it might be serving your brothers, you know, at the table. It might be things like that. So I, it, it's good to have that situation available to them. We we didn't do that when I was master, and I, I can honestly say that it, it's 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 wonderful that you do that, because when candidates would would get into lodge, our our extra meetings are generally not that well attended. It's the uh, the chair officers, and there may be, if we have five people on the sidelines, it's amazing. Usually, somebody from the sidelines gets sucked in and has to like, you know, fill in a chair and not be in a tuxedo. So, um, yeah. So this is a way that they can see that oh, there's actually more than five members of this group, because um, I I mean I'd have to look at the look at the secretary books, but just from when I go to meetings. I know attendance is up since we started having a meal before the meeting. Um, you know, it really gives everybody a reason. You know, we have a lot of bachelors now that, you know, hey, this might be the only chance for the month that we get a home-cooked meal. And I know Larry's going to be there in September because he found out tonight it's homemade chicken pot pie. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> serious. Where serious. was I? Oh, I was in the bathroom before yeah, we started. So for you... For you uh, Non-Lancastrians, chicken pot pie is not what you buy in the freezer at your uh, at your grocery store. It's basically like chicken and dumplings, but instead of dumplings, it's big flat doughy noodles. We talked about this last uh, last podcast. That and uh, scrapple. I don't know if we talked about scrapple, but that seems to be an underlying theme of our of our show. We have a pot pie degree. Pot pie and pot scrapple. Pie. <laughs> Did you make a scrapple pot pie? <laughs> there, actually, if you go to my uh, website, <laughs> one of my Facebook pages, um, Scrapple is the new bacon. Right. Um, I did post an article. There's a place in Ocean City that's making a scrapple pie. So if you think about like a mincemeat pie or uh, like a shoe fly pie, it's scrapple in the middle. And they're telling how it's their best-selling pie um, because at first people bought buy it because it's a novelty. And then once they get it home and cook, cook it, like, wow, it was actually pretty good. Shout out for Scrapple, the other gray meat. <laughs> so I know we have international listeners, so this is your invitation to uh, chicken pot pie night. So what, what, the second Tuesday or the first Tuesday of the month for Lamberton? Uh, first Tuesday. First Tuesday. And we would, uh, yes, we'll have the meal, and uh, it's served family style, so it's as much right. as you can eat. And just a shout-out to Josh Palmer and Noel Wenrick, which I know really enjoy it. We have it at 43. They were allowed to come visit, of course. 
and enjoy the same pot pie they get there. In fact, we do so much pot pie, and it's so it's so labor intense. Like Cindy really starts out literally with a bag of flour. We do have back in the kitchen right now. We actually have a dough roller, so it makes it a little bit easier on me. To you know, it's 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 the real deal. It's homemade. We ought to put a challenge out there to see who can eat the most pot pie. <laughs> oh my so, God. Josh Palmer, if you're listening to this, you're being challenged. Do you think you can take him, Jason? Oh, I got him. I got this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I won't eat all day. We'll see. I've seen Josh eat. I've I, I seen a, a dear brother up at uh, Grotto oh, come go on. back for the third prime rib. And he did finish all three, but he did claim uh, it's probably more than he should have eaten. But I can attest that he did have three. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> it was up there. I said, it can't go to waste. I guess I got to do it. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's take a quick little break. We're going to come back with uh, some Masonic news and uh, just some of Larry's ramblings. We'll be back. <laughs> Jacob Young from Lamberton Lodge 476 in Lancaster, PA, and you are listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Good news, everyone! Masonic Light News. News not fit to print. All right, so in the news, again, it's a summer break for us, so there's not a lot to talk about, but I've got a couple things that we've shared on our Facebook page. Uh, one of the, the, the most... Um, important pieces of news right now is uh, Louisiana. So Louisiana is suffering some some flooding. Uh, they're saying that it's uh, some of the worst flooding since uh, Hurricane Sandy. And the northern Masonic jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite, I believe, has already pledged a million dollars in assistance down there, and they're doing some fundraising. So if you log on to the northern Masonic jurisdiction on their Facebook page or online, and I'm sure the southern jurisdiction is uh, following suit as well, but uh, that's probably one of the biggest pieces of news right now. Do you guys have any anything to, to add? Have you seen anything? Do we know any brothers down there that have been affected or... Um, I don't personally. I mean, well, I guess I do. Um, good friend to Ingrado, uh, Victor Mann. He's originally from uh, Louisiana. And uh, he and his wife, uh, Angelique, they did post something the other day about uh, some, you know, friends of theirs. So, you know, I have a friend of a friend. Um, so I know my wife uh, made a nice little, you know, gesture, sent like 30 bucks or something to a GoFundMe or something. But, yeah, so there's a lot of people having a hard time down there. And um, it's, you know not getting anywhere near the attention that Katrina did, but you know, I guess we just need to keep talking about it so people pay more attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have any Masonic friends down there, but I do have a, a few from the music industry, uh, my my day job, and uh, we got the the all safe. Facebook has the you know mark yourself safe during some sort of disaster, and and they're okay. And he said my basement is flooding. I'm going to see Alice Cooper. Nothing I can do. So. Another piece of interesting news is the video that we shared that uh, Maryland is showing uh, either on social media or on TV, uh, a pretty heavy recruiting piece. You know, in Pennsylvania for a long time, we uh, could not recruit that. uh, Ask one to be one was kind of the motto. In recent years, they've loosened that up, but I know a lot of Pennsylvania Masons are still hesitant to uh, solicit. But uh, if you go to our Facebook page, Masonic Light, or uh, www.masoniclight.com, you can see this video. And it's a great video, uh, but it is interesting. I thought it was a little creepy. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched the video yet, it's showing a... I like the premise. I just would... if 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 I was the director... If I was M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, I would have... I mean, they had, they had guys walking in their civilian clothes. So maybe as a plumber, a police officer, a teacher, whatever their uniform is. And then they're walking into the lodge. And the cool effect was, like, as they crossed through the doorway, they all started wearing tuxedos and Masonic regalia. To, and they were all walking uh, in, like, military formation, you know, with angled right turns and things like that. So, I mean, I like the general aspect, but it looked kind of like, to me, if I wasn't a Freemason, I got, like, a heavy cult vibe from that. Like, you know, we're going to transform you from this to this. 
it would have been cooler if they were just walking in casually, not in step. And then when they came through the other door, they were just talking with friends, you know, like. I think it's important, though, to, to have that a little bit of an air of mystique. I mean, what we do is, you know, I know we don't join out of idle curiosity, but at the same time, I mean, I think there does need to be a little bit of a, you know, we can't give them all the secrets without joining. I shared one on Facebook probably 10 minutes before I drove here from the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts. Yeah, and, they have a good one. And that was probably the best one I've ever seen. Yeah, theirs is excellent. Is, so it on the, is it on the page now? It's on Masonic Light's uh, Facebook page. Check yeah. that out if you haven't seen it. I think it's in the grant. That's classy. Yeah. You know, there was a comment by a, a non-Mason, a mutual friend on Facebook, and he said, uh, you know, being a non-Mason, this is a little little creepy. And uh, I think that I had said, the only thing that you're missing out behind those doors is a lot of pancakes. And, uh, <laughs> and pot pie. And, and, of course, pot pie. This should be the, the Masonic pot pie podcast. Uh, the only other thing that Masonic I Sonic podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's got a different connotation. And Anket's our sponsor for tonight, Sandy's Pot Pie. There you go. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I have is just a shout-out to some of the other uh, podcasters out there that we listen to, and there's a really interesting episode that just launched uh, our, our friend and hopefully a, a guest here soon when we finally figure out how to do a Skype call because we're technologically uh, disadvantaged here. But uh, brought to light, Jack Aquilina, he's got a... Um, co-masonry uh, brother and a, uh, uh, a female brother, I believe they call themselves brother regardless. Uh, very interesting podcast. And the Masonic Roundtable has had um, a past virtual master who's a woman, and also uh, she came to the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. But both of those uh, episodes or that live event, were, were they were very awkward. And I don't know if it's because... Uh, Victoria, Australia is a little bit different, but his podcast with this uh, particular woman on is very, very interesting. So if you want to hear about uh, co-masonry, I would, I would check it out. I mean, he, he, the, the guard is not up in this particular one, but uh, I think it's very interesting. What are your guys' thoughts on, on the whole co-masonry? I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I think we were on, on another level, some, a couple of us, our brothers were having a discussion about um, the Boy Scouts. And saying, you know, how the Boy Scouts could really, because there's so many women that help out with, with scouting, um, you know, if the Boy Scouts were to go co-ed and whatever. And I heard some different arguments from various Dean brothers on both sides. But, you know, I think the, the, the main sentiment was if they want to have an organization like that, they should have an organization like that. So if co-masonry wants to have men and women, they can exist and we can exist separately. Um, I don't think we should change, and I don't think we should allow women, not because... And I said this before about social organizations like like the Elks. Like, I was a member of the Elks for a long time, which is co-ed now. But one of the things is I think men can act a lot different and not in a good way when women are around. Guys, you know, they puff out their chest a little further. They act a little bit more, I don't know, more manly. And, um, you know, I, I just think it, it, it's not the women's fault. It's our, it's our problem. I think we act different when women around and, you know, what do you think, Larry? Well, what, what gets me is whenever I, whenever we talk about this, one of the things that goes through my head is how in the world, if we would accept women into the lodge, which I don't think we ever will, but how in the world, if we did, how do we conduct a third degree? Attendance will be up. Well, I mean, I, 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 I just think it would be, it would have to be different. They would probably change. And I have not heard that question asked. And Jack, I apologize. I had to cut your podcast short so I could start recording this one. I was listening to it while we were setting up. But if you ask that question, I, I'd, I'd be curious to, to see what they do. But. It is. It is interesting. Part of our dialogue in the third degree, though, is or as far as decency will permit. So I'm sure so the, that is that already level of decency is, would be different. Correct. Well, then, Correct. then I'm not even interested. <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs> okay, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, something I've been thinking about, and Scott and I were talking about this a little bit, and 
you know, traveling on the road, I see, you know, so many Masonic symbols on the back of cars. So especially when I travel for work and, you know, if I'm in my car, you know, I tend to like fly ahead of them and, and pass and, and get in front. Like, hey, look, I'm a Mason, too. And, you know, listening to, you know, co-Masonry and, also, and then also, you know, something that I just came across uh, for the first time. You know, we had uh, um, there may or may not have been a petition that came through uh, in the area with a, a recommender that was from a clan, an irregular clandestine lodge, and you know, and I honestly believe that that brother who signed had no idea had no idea that he belonged to a lodge that wasn't recognized by the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania, and now you know. A woman mason is a little bit different because I think that if a woman mason came up to us and said, hey, I'm a brother too, we would know right away that that is a little odd for Pennsylvania. But, um, you know, I think that I'm going to be a lot more uh, careful, you know, speaking to to brothers. I mean, I was out in California and I saw a brother with a Freemason shirt on and we started chatting. And now in hindsight, it's like, man, how do you really determine if somebody's, you know, irregular or not? I have a, a gentleman that used to frequent one of the same taverns as me. Um, that was a very learned Freemason, and we talk all the time. And then as I got a little bit, you know, past being a newbie, I realized that he was the master of a lodge that I never heard of before. So he was a man. Um, so there's a, a lodge in Lancaster County, I believe, called Solomon's Lodge, something, something, something. They're not, it, it's, I, I think it's an all-black lodge, but it's not affiliated with Prince Hall. Um, you know, I, I, so I don't know anything more, much more about that, but yeah, you mean, know, he can't come to our meetings. I can't go to his, but um, I, I would sit at the bar and have good conversations with him. I shook his hand, but, you know, I treated him as I would a brother, but, you know, didn't really go much further than that. Yeah, I'm sure that they're, I mean, being part of what we would call clandestine or irregular doesn't mean that they're bad people by any means. I think that that particular, you know, Prince Hall, when they restructured however many years ago, there was a, a number of lodges that didn't want to, and I don't want to say they went rogue, but it seems that they do have some other um, irregular lodges out there, non-recognized lodges. But it's pretty interesting. But that's all I got from the news. That's all you got? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, another break. Okay. <laughs> we're going to take a break for Larry, but we're going to come back in three seconds when Jason edits this, and we're going to come right back. <laughs> the Red Serpent by Larry Maris. One man's obsession to avenge the death of his wife uncovers a long-hidden ancient blueprint to perfect the world for future generations. Visit www.larrymaris.com You can purchase this book anywhere except CVS. Also, special thanks to our advertisers, especially Masonic Scarves. Guys, I'll tell you what, if you need custom-made scarves over the finest quality knitting, the finest colors available, give us a call at Masonic, Masonic Scarves. Call us, email us, do whatever you can to get your order in there. It takes four weeks to get them. We can put your lodge number on there. We can do anything for you to make these things really great. Give us a yell. Contact us by email, call us on the phone, however you want to do it, and get your order in. Remember, I have a feeling this is going to be a very cold winter. All right, three seconds. One, two, three, and we're back. All right, so just like we had uh, for your daughter, we have we, we do Masonic Would You Rather. Uh, we've been uh, editing it to, to not just be Would You Rather questions, but I do have a couple fun questions for you, Scott. Good. So you and I mm-hmm. shared a ride to New York. Correct. So I sell guitars for a living. I had to go to New York, and I put a, uh, a post on Facebook, and I said if anybody would like to come along. And, uh, you know, Scott, you are a man of faith, and you can quote <laughs> Masonic Ritual and probably the Bible uh, equally as well. And I have a potty mouth. 
and a really bad one. And so that ride was it was a lot of fun, but it was it was a challenge. So one of my questions for you for would you rather? Not really a, a would you rather question, but who out of the two lodges? Actually, let's just do me and Pete. Between Pete and I, who has the biggest potty mouth? I don't know. I think you're both pretty good when you're around me. I hope I hope it's it's a good thing, not a stifling thing. And there's a difference between good and stifling. So hopefully we bring the best out in each other. Nice. <laughs> Safe answer. Eat shit. <laughs> there it is. We'll have to beat that out. The Foscata for our Greek brothers. Now, I don't know if you noticed, if you listened to the bloopers, the last reel, your, 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 your child may have sworn, and Uh-oh. I may have beeped it out. Thank you for doing that. Please Protect, don't, protecting please don't the family that. name. <laughs> um, all right. So, keeping in the theme of chicken pot pie, we asked the, your daughter, who serves a lot of us as well, but uh, we need to know it from the guy who makes it. So, who can eat the most chicken pot pie? Lodge forty three or four seventy six? I would. In, in spite of my love for Lamberton, as you know, forty three does put a hurting put a hurting on the pot pie. Nice. Good. And last question. Tell us about your most embarrassing Masonic moment. I think it was for another brother. We had the one-day class uh, right here in this building, and uh, he was a a large fellow, and we had trouble uh, getting uh, the proper pants to fit him. And uh, I came downstairs, and Sandy was was getting the uh, the lunch ready. I said, "I, I need safety pins. I need this. I need that. She goes, why? I said, this guy's pants aren't staying up. And so what he was actually doing, uh, besides being with all the other brothers in the one-day class, uh, trying to hold your pants up is hard to do. And, and so because of that embarrassing time, Sandy actually went out and purchased, um, of course she's reimbursed, but uh, the nurse's garb or like this, the surgical scrubs. In fact, we had them upstairs in the, I think, the 3 or 4X so that we can have the brothers properly covered for our... Uh, a ritualistic uh, secret. Now, uh, now, this is why you have wise past masters like myself. <laughs> Couldn't you just let him wear his own pants and maybe, you know, adjusted the legs accordingly? Hey, we didn't think of that. Yeah, okay, and that's, why I, that's why I make the big bucks. <laughs> that's right. And that's why Masons will not ever rule the world. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we can't even get our pants on. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. So is that it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel your pain. I'm a big guy. You know, I'm pushing 400 pounds, and, and I lost my drawers during the third degree. I feel so bad for the person because I made a comment on I made a comment on online today. Um, in Masonic terms, I, I'm a medium, and uh, I like and, and I, I'm I'm at I was 296 pounds this morning, uh, so I'm I'm considered a medium in Pennsylvania Freemasonry. Um, but uh, I'm, work, I'm working down to get to a small, which would be a 2XL. So. Oh, nice. John often calls me when we're having breakfast. She calls me once a day and just a daddy-daughter talk. And she says, oh, that's right. You're at the Takeover the World breakfast you know, meeting. We're at Grotto, or not Grotto, at the Goose and Gridiron. But uh, she goes, I know you guys can never overtake the world because you can't decide if you want ham salad or chicken salad. How can you make you know, more informed decisions. Oh, so. our, our waitress needed us to rearrange the table, and we were like, oh, God, Pete is going to walk in any moment, and then he's going to walk right back out. <laughs> biggest pet peeve. She told us to, Pete. She I, told us to. You know what? I, 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 that's why I, my attendance is very poor. We had, what, 15 people there? Yes. Yeah, we did. It was a good one. It was huge. It was I mean, good. The, the room really couldn't accommodate it. It was one. good. Yeah, it was good. I, I had missed the last uh, two weeks. So 15 was... people in one empty chair. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, well, you have 15 people, 12 of them are hard of hearing. It's just the loud, it, it, you might as well just go to a rock concert and sit in front of the speaker. I even had money to give you and you didn't show. I think we need to have a Goose and Gridiron podcast, and we should broadcast from there so our listeners can see how ridiculous it gets. Between batteries dying on it hearing sa- aids. It would, sound like, it would sound like this. Nobody would have any idea what's going on. And there's always, there's always somebody's hearing aid squealing. Yeah. For God's sake, it'd be a, it'd be a dumpster fire. Uh, Larry, what do you have? Uh, let's just wrap this. Uh, let's close. Let's wrap this, this thing up. What do you got? Uh, basically, want to thank Scott Hoover for having the courage to show up tonight. Thank you, great guest. I was invited to Goose and Gridiron, so I was sort of hoodwinked at that point. And also, uh, get, <clears throat> my voice is giving out, and oh, I apologize my for that. God. Special thanks to Jason Over. 
Jason Hoover. <laughs> there is a Jason Hoover. There is just a Jason not Hoover. here. Yeah, Jason's not here tonight. Scott and I. Sorry hug, about that. We, we hug a lot, but we're we're not we're not father blood, son. Yeah, we're not blood related. <laughs> we're just brothers. Oh Lord. Well, anyways, thanks to Jason. Well, glad, I, glad I could help. <laughs> For uh, serving over and above the call of duty. I mean, you're not only uh, helping with the guests. You're not only helping run the show. You're also doing all the all the hard work. You know, putting the show together. Taking it home and knowing you, you'll probably work on this till about three, four o'clock in the morning. I don't know about that. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> You've done it before. That's why I said Yeah, it. I so, have, yes. Yes, you have. All right, here we go. Down the line. Uh, thanks again uh, to our podcast reviewer, Ken Stanley Noise. To our uh, joke coordinator, evaluator, Odessa Goodwin. And to our director, Rocco Ruggieri. Again, our news director, Jason Lewis. Our foreign correspondents who are missing in action. But I'll mention their names, not a worthy. And I'm, I'm a bladder. Somewhere in Afghanistan. It's like a Tall Cedars. It's like a Tall Cedars speaker. Exactly. Also, special thanks to the Lancaster Masonic Center who continues to let us record in their beautiful downtown facilities. Again, we don't know if they really know we're here, but Jason, we well, all actually, have keys. Yeah, we all have keys, so. <laughs> yeah. And finally, I usually end a note on, end a night on a high note, but one of the things I want to do is a little bit more of a serious note. Tonight, I want to give thanks to my wife, Carol, who does a lot of editing for us, for me particularly. Did she help you with that copy that you just read? <laughs> no, no. As a matter of fact, when she hears it, she's going to flip. But anyway, thanks to her. She's a great gal. We kid a lot on the show and say things that when she hears it, unfortunately, how could you say that? And anyway, we're just kidding. A lot of the show is scripted, so we say things like that. Uh, but anyway, thanks, Carol. What, you, did, what did you do wrong that you were issuing this public apology? I, I, it's not a public apology. I'm just thanking her for all the help that she It reminds me, one time I, I, bought, um, I bought flowers at a florist. I'm walking back to my car, and there was like this elderly man walking in, and he just looks at me and goes, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true story. I, now, I expect <laughs> we've got a guest here whose wife does a tremendous amount. Give her a shout-out, please. Oh, well, it's she really is uh, very supportive of me personally, but also uh, I think she's probably the best known woman in outside of, of course, our district deputy's wife. But just because she's getting around the different lodges and cooks for the guys, and of course, as you know, we're very simple men. We just need a little attention, a little bit of food, and we're happy. And Sandy certainly uh, gives attention out there in the dining room and feeds all the guys. So she's she's meeting all the qualifications there. Jason, uh, what's your wife's um, interest in Freemasonry? Zero. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's about. My wife and I have a deal. Um, <laughs> I drag her to about two or three Masonic events per year, and then in turn she drags me to two or three church events per year. And you leave each other alone. So that's it. We each have our thing. <laughs> you know, I I'll give her credit because you know she tolerates a lot of the things that I do. In the last you know two years, I've I've done almost everything. And even though she doesn't have an interest, I mean, she's really supportive of, like, the podcast. She knew that I really wanted to get on the board of directors, and she was supportive of that. And, you know, while I'm out doing this, she's at home. Uh, I think the two of my kids are switching their bedrooms tonight. So, And she did come out uh, to James Buchanan. We were out there at the... Uh, yeah, and she, she comes she out... She almost ran us over, so I don't know if that was a positive or negative, right. but she, yeah. she claimed she didn't see us. She came, you know, she comes <laughs> to the picnics, and she comes to the events and open installations. So she's supportive, but she'll she'll never sign a... A petition and for I, some and sort of And I will say, on behalf of Pete, he's got a beautiful, lovely wife, and she does a lot, and she lets him do the things she does. I mean, she's just great. She really is. If he won't thank her, I will. <laughs> um, I, I'll thank her, but meanwhile, she's at the beach right now. She's, at, she's down in Rehoboth uh, with a bunch of her college roommates, so uh, you you know, when ho- you, hopefully she'll come back. When you did the, the Penn Live Scrapple interview... When I wrote up with you, I, I said, I was like, so what did, I don't know if you remember this, but I asked you, I said, what does your wife think about all your shenanigans? And you said, oh, she loves it. And then I had an opportunity to sit down with her and you weren't there. And I said, so what do you think about all the peach shenanigans? She's like, I love it. So <laughs> I think you got a good one. We, we balance out really well. And, um, you know, she makes me a little calmer. Um, I make her a little crazier. We kind of meet in the middle at home. But, uh, yeah, when we when we get out 
out of the building, I'm an extrovert. But honestly, when I'm home, I don't answer the phone. I, I don't like people. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just so happy just to be there with my wife and my dogs, and the rest of the world can go to hell. <laughs> but when I come out from Mason's, I put my happy face on, and uh, I have some good brotherly love. Didn't mean to be this serious in closing. Oh, man, gonna... And I think with the banjo music and the, the roosters and the sheep in the background, that might make it a little more interesting. Uh, basically, I also, too, want to thank our Grand Lodge coordinator, Jack Snafu Lutz. Great guy. Great guy. Thank what, 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 what was that? Jack, Jack Snafu Lutz. Oh, he's married. That's a hyphenated name. <laughs> and also, too, one of the things I wanted want to do is basically... End the, night, end the night with a thought. With a thought. Give it some thought. It's really, it, it's a little bit deep, but it, it means a lot. Okay, here we go. The unknown is a state of mind that exists somewhere. That's all I have. This is Larry Maris. Thanks for listening. If anybody's still here, please call the authorities. Thank God it's over. This is Jason. That was Pete. Scott Hoover, dishonored to be here with my brothers. Have a great night, and thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, my God. Was there no help for the Larry's son? <laughs>